Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. is a bargain, this price is a steal. Throw you in another chorus just to show you how to real. That no cost a dollar.
This chord right here is free. Well, baby, what did you expect? From New Orleans, Louisiana, I, I know how it means to miss New Orleans, and I'm still here, but not for long. I'm Harry Shearer. Me? I'm Harry Shearer. Thanks for asking. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our friend, the Adam. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. Boom. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, try to discern, if you might, uh, a, a certain thread, a certain thematic element in uh, the items that follow from the world of the atom and what a world it is what a world it is to live in a former executive of south carolina utility scanna corp not scamma scanna has pleaded guilty to his role in what investigators called a breathtaking conspiracy here like this <gasps> to hide unresolvable problems in a project to build a hundred billion dollar sorry ten billion ten billion dollars all nuclear power plant did you get that a breathtaking conspiracy to hide unresolvable problems in building that plant Stephen Byrne he's 60 he should know better an executive vice president of Scana repeatedly insured assured investors taxpayers and state officials is all that two new units at the VC Summer Nuke Station would be finished in time to qualify for a federal tax credit for nuclear production. That tax credit worth up to $1.5 It's set to expire the end of this year. Hurry up. Build your nuclear plant. Come on. Get in on it. Prosecutors said Byrne knew the scheme was hopelessly behind and over budget, but that he and his co-conspirators deceived and allowed Scanna to obtain rate increases from the customers to continue financing the building of the plant to qualify for the credits that they weren't going to get because it was taking too long. But the, mo- the, the important part was increases in rates from the customers, you see. The conspiracy to defraud Scanna customers is breathtaking in scope and audacity, said the FBI special agent in charge, Jody Norris. The FBI remains committed to ensure all those responsible for this crime which only serve to enrich a few by robbing families and communities in South Carolina, are held accountable. Byrne was in charge of Scanna's nuclear work. He agreed to a a plea deal with prosecutors, and he's been cooperating with them and investigators. He faces up to five years in prison if he doesn't cooperate good. Peter McCoy, U.S. attorney for the area, told reporters outside the courtroom after the plea, today is a good start. To years upon years of investigation. We're mighty proud about what happened here today. Keep the pride kind of on the down low, babe. The project to add two new re- reactors to the station was abandoned by Scanna subsidiary South Carolina E&G, electricity and gas maybe, three years ago after it became mired. Whatever you're doing, you don't want to be mired. Mired in this case in cost overruns and then fell afoul of the collapse of Westinghouse, which was carrying out the work. We can't carry out the work when it's collapsing, can it now? Westinghouse, at that point, was a subsidiary of Toshiba. Toshiba apparently is still standing. The first concrete pour for Unit 2 was made March 2013. That was the first reactor to start construction in the U.S. in 30 years. 
The first concrete for Unit 3 was completed in November of the same year. But the original eight, sorry, $9.8 billion cost of the scheme had increased by, 19, by 2017 to $25 billion, from $9 billion. Why, that's almost tripling. As part of the plea deal, a Virginia-based utility, Dominion Energy, they acquired Scana a couple years ago, will provide $4 billion to state ratepayers as damages for the criminal activity that took place in 2015 and 16. That's kind of newsworthy, ladies and gentlemen. Ratepayers get some money back after all the scamming by Scana. Over to Japan now. Not really. We're just going to talk about it. We're still right here. Don't get your hopes up. A trouble-plagued nuclear fuel reprocessing plant in northeastern Japan formally passed safety checks this week, despite the questionable future of the government's decades-old policy of uranium recycling. This thing is like hitting for, hitting, heading for the bricks. The plant in Rokasho, oh sure, that's in Aomori Prefecture, you know that, has been under construction for nearly three decades These things take time. Clean, cheap, safe. I never said fast, did I? Uh Uh-uh, see? The plant has been intended to play a key role in Japan's nuclear policy by taking spent fuel from reactors, which would otherwise just be waste and we'd have no idea what to do with it, and instead extracting uranium and plutonium for reuse as fuel to make more of the thing that then we take more of the thing from. The plant cleared the tougher safety standards introduced in the wake of Fook, but the outlook for Japan's nuclear recycling is clouded by the decommissioning of the fast breeder reactor that was supposed to have used the fuel produced by the plant. Mixed oxide fuel, it's called, or MOX. Yes, it seems to be all moxed up. And the limited number of reactors in operation using such fuel for power generation. Japan Currently, in case you were wondering, ladies and gentlemen, if they've got enough plutonium to pull off this uh, fast breeder reactor thing, they got 40 tons of it. Plutonium. Japan has 40 tons of plutonium, as it is. It's stockpiled, raising international concerns about the country's possession of the material because it can be converted into nuclear weapons, don't you know? 40 tons of it just sitting there. The um, Rakasho plant also needs to pass further checks on its operation plans before it can be put online, making it difficult for the facility to be completed by the first half of fiscal 2021. That's what its operator was thinking at the time. But, you know, at the time, who knows? The company applied for the safety checks in January of 2014. The Nuclear Regulation Authority approved the measures this May then solicited feedback from the public, which was largely critical. Construction of the plant began in 1993, scheduled to be completed by 1997, but persistent troubles forced the timeline to be pushed back 24 times. We'll be right back with more of this building of the thing. Three years ago, it was discovered the company failed to carry out necessary inspections on an area of the plant for 14 years resulting in nearly a ton of rainwater pouring into a building housing an emergency diesel generator, is all. Because this is, this is A-level, this is the A-team. Come on. 
If it opens, the plant will be able to take up to 800 tons of spent fuel per year and extract about 8 tons of plutonium, adding to the 40 tons they've got already. The prototype reactor that had been slated to be the main recipient of the MOX fuel is currently being decommissioned after experiencing a series of problems, including a leakage of sodium uh, coolant back in 1995. Total cost of the uh, plant we're discussing, the Rokasho plant, is expected to be $130 billion. Yes, we've all got that on us. We continue with the saga and see if you can, uh, as I say, tease out the thread. Several maintenance workers at a South Florida nuclear power plant have been fired for not completing the safety inspection of a critical piece of equipment and then falsifying records about it. It's according to documents from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. After an internal investigation by Florida Power and Light confirmed the findings of the regulators, the utility company fired at least three employees involved in the incident a year and a half ago at Turkey Point Nuclear Generating Station. Why do you think they called it Turkey Point? Turkey Point is situated 60 miles south of Fort Lauderdale. As you know, it provides power for roughly one million homes across South Florida. Two reactors came online way back in the early 1970s, and because of their age, some critical systems have to be regularly taken apart and checked for age-related issues, like all of us do. It was one of during these checks that investigators from the NRC say maintenance crews faked the records. Workers inspecting a valve for wear and tear, not just wear, tear, in the aging reactor's backup cooling system failed to use specialized equipment to measure a valve for signs of weakness. The valve must be taken apart and measured with specialized equipment every three years. The thing, investigators found the maintenance crew who were supposed to take the valve apart hadn't checked out the necessary tools to do the the job, even though they reported completing the task on the paperwork that's supposed to record maintenance. Workers had written the measurements from 2015, basically copied them onto the new form in 2019. The valve under inspection is classified as safety rated, meaning its failure could potentially lead to, in the words of the South Florida Sun Sentinel, quote, problems, unquote. The valve controls the flow of water in the reactor's backup cooling system designed to draw heat away from the reactor in case the primary cooling system stops working. As you know, nuclear reactors often run at incredibly high temperatures and risk melting down if not consistently cooled. And on a related subject, we follow the dollar in the nuclear industry. Commercials supporting the first energy nuclear power plant bailout bill. Last year showed children playing, wind turbines spinning, and solar panels shining, but never showed a nuclear power plant. Clean air and clean energy begin with clean government, one video said. Over a scene of a toddler walking hand-in-hand with his parents, this according to the Columbus Dispatch, but according to an 82-page criminal complaint released by federal prosecutors, the ads were really part of the largest criminal conspiracy in Ohio government history a racket similar to those used by the Mafia. The goal was to gain control of the Ohio House of Representatives, appoint a new speaker, 
and then pass a law charging electricity customers to bail out the company that owns two aging Ohio nuclear power plants. The key tool that Ohio House Speaker Larry Householdy used to carry out what federal authorities described as a criminal enterprise was dark money. $61 million of it, largely from the plant's owner. Information in the criminal complaint identifies it as bankrupt First Energy Solutions. More problems and solutions now, I bet. It's a subsidiary of First Energy, now operating under the name Energy Harbor. That should keep them safe. If you want to bribe a politician, quote, dark money makes it a lot easier, according to Richard Briffol, a professor with Columbia Law School uh, specializing in campaign finance. What makes money dark is that donations don't have to be disclosed. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. So you could try injecting sunlight to prevent COVID. No! That's a whole other... The episode couldn't have happened if there was a, wasn't a legal way for the, them to hide the money, says the executive director of Common Cause Ohio. The uh, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Ohio said he doesn't see how such a scheme could be pulled off without dark money. The dark money vehicle was called Generation Now classified by the IRS as a 501c4 social welfare organization. Those outfits must operate primarily to further common good and general welfare of the community. They're tax exempt. They can't lobby, but they can't and and they oh sorry, they can lobby, but they can't participate in political campaigns on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate for public office. The donors are legally secret if not for months of FBI wiretapping phone calls. Such a conspiracy might never be revealed otherwise. They can give as much to the C4 and nobody would ever know, says a state house lobbyist. So you don't have to be afraid of anyone, said the lobbyist in a phone conversation with Householder, the Speaker of the Ohio House. He's one of the others charged with Householder. Former Ohio Republican Party chairman is also charged and a lobbyist. It's a secret. A C4 is a secret, Clark told Householder. Nobody knows the money goes to the Speaker's account or it's controlled by his people. $10 million, the largest single deposit. Again, the purpose of the scheme is to elect enough people to the Ohio House that they will pass a bill bailing out First Energy on its two aging nuclear plants. Well, the, the taxpayers... Let the taxpayers pay for it, I guess is the theme I was trying to tease out there, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening pleasure. Clean, cheap, too safe to meter. That's our uh, our very good friend, the Adam. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, news of uh, our very good friend, freedom-loving nation of Saudi Arabia, the land of 15,000 princes. A Saudi court, you know, freedom-loving. Did I point that out? A Saudi court sentenced a Yemeni blogger to jail and then deportation back to Yemen. His crime? A social media post supporting equal rights for all in Saudi Arabia. After a trial where he got no lawyer, well, first we, we give you no lawyer. But didn't Shakespeare say that? Uh, he was sentenced to 10 months in prison and a fine of $2,700. His name is um, Muhammad al-Bokhari. 
He was arrested. He's 29 years old. He was arrested in April for posting a video on social media calling for equal rights, including for gay people. He had fled Yemen last year after Yemeni armed groups threatened to kill him. He's been living in Saudi Arabia as an undocumented migrant. A source in contact with him told Human Rights Watch, before his trial, he was held in solitary for six weeks in a prison in Riyadh, hot and humid cell, no windows, no air conditioning, and insufficient ventilation. Well, insufficient, but ventilation. You know, ventilation. He had. Saudi Arabia's public relations campaign tout the kingdom's progress, but the court's jail sentence for peaceful speech and then deportation show uh, where the defendant's life is risk shows how hollow these claims are, says a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender rights researcher at Human Rights Watch. The source told Human Rights Watch after his sentencing, al-Bakari was returned to a shared cell with other prisoners who have verbally abused him, including calling him a devil worshiper who deserves the death penalty. Since he was sentenced, his health had rapidly deteriorated. He was transferred to a hospital. He He suffers from a chronic heart condition. He underwent an ECG and was discharged without being uh, discharged from the hospital. There was no electric charge. Without being informed of the test results, the doctors denied he had a heart condition, denied him access to medication. After his arrest, it's just more about how Saudis do it. Security officers subjected him to a forced anal exam. Sorry about that. That's an internationally discredited practice used to seek proof of homosexual conduct that can amount to torture. Otherwise, it's just enhanced interrogation. They continue to beat him and verbally abuse him in detention. He was charged with violating public morality by promoting homosexuality online and, quote, imitating women, unquote. Our freedom-loving friends in uh, the land of 15,000 princes, and who's counting? The uh, good folks in Saudi Arabia as well. Hey, we have so many. Hey, we have so many apologies this week. We might as well get to them now. The apologies of the week. We're so sorry. A shed load. I said shed. James Charles has apologized after being called out for partying at the apparently infamous hype house. During the pandemic, this according to Teen Vogue. At least the uh, hype house is infamous to them. The YouTube star was recently spotted partying, partying at the L.A. location alongside a fleet of YouTube and TikTok stars as COVID cases continue to spike in L.A. From images shared to social media, it appeared few of the party attendees were taking necessary precautions, including wearing masks and social distancing. Most partygoers were hanging out like everything was normal. YouTubers Tana Mongo and Nikita Dragon were there, as well as TikTok celebs Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio. After publicly being called out on Twitter by Tyler Oakley, hey, raise your hands if you recognize any of these names. James apologized for attending the party and encouraged his followers not to follow his example. Use your huge platforms to encourage responsibility during a worldwide pandemic. He uh, encouraged people in a previous tweet to unfollow influencers attending parties for being bad influences. That's life under the influencer. 
Domino's in New Zealand has pulled a promotion offering free pizzas for great people named Karen. Following a backlash, the pizza chain launched a promotion in New Zealand and Australia earlier this week saying all mask-wearing, law-abiding Karens that aren't well. Karens were eligible to enter online for a chance to win a free pizza. Then Domino's received complaints that the promotion was insensitive. It pulled the offer from, from New Zealand and apologized in a Facebook post. In popular Internet culture, explains CNN, the name Karen has come to be used as a pejorative term to refer to white women who are ignorant of their privilege and are offensive and entitled. It's a tough time to be a Karen, the chain said on its social channels, before offering free pizza to people named Karens who, Karen who were not Karens. Domino's said the word had become quite the insult to anyone actually named Karen. Well, today we're taking the name Karen back, statement added, the press release issued in Australia, saying Domino's wanted to celebrate all the great Karens out there. The promotion prompted a flurry of responses online from people who said Domino's had not hit the right tone and should instead focus on real minorities, the vulnerable and marginalized groups. Domino's New Zealand apologized. We're sorry. Throughout COVID-19, we've tried to bring a smile to customers' faces with our pizza and our social media. Unquote. Change said it decided to delete its post because people interpreted this in a different way than we intended in New Zealand. Our intention was one of inclusivity only. Our pizza brings people together. And we only had this at the heart of our giveaway. We want you to know we're always listening and learning. And we get it. And when we get it wrong, we fix it. Unquote. Domino's, the promotion is still active in Australia, just across the Tasman Sea. Italian tenor Andrea Bocelli apologized this week after coming under heavy fire for criticizing the government's coronavirus restrictions at a conference in Rome. He said he felt humiliated and offended by the limitations on freedom imposed during the lockdown. If my speech to the Italian Senate caused suffering, I wish to extend my sincere apologies because my intention could not have been more different, he said. He's recovering after contracting the coronavirus his own self. Just as it was not my intention to offend those who have been struck by COVID. In fact, my family was not spared by the virus. We all caught it and we all feared for the worst because no one could know the course of disease such as this will take. The intent of my speech to the Senate was to send a message of hope for the near future in which children, first and foremost, can again find a sense of normality and hope to live as children, playing with and hugging one Anyway, this and this alone was the meeting I intended for my speech to all those people who felt offended or suffered because of how I expressed myself, undoubtedly not in the best possible way, and the words I used. I ask that they accept my sincerest apologies, as my intention was quite the opposite. Who says tenors can't overwrite? Dayline Corpus Christi. That, that was only the third tenor. Imagine what the first two would have done. Dayline Corpus Christi, Texas, a school leader issuing an apology to parents after graphic images made their way into an online informational meeting. Guess how? Yes, Zoom. According to a letter from the Taft School District, this is in Corpus Christi, Ricardo Trevino is the superintendent of the district. The Zoom meeting was hacked by an unknown source. Once seen, the meeting host quickly removed the source responsible for the images. They did not specify what the images showed. Trevino plans to file a formal complaint with Zoom. Join the club, Babe. He said the district wants to assure the community that the Zoom platform will no longer be used. 
for online instruction, they'll be switching over to something made by Microsoft. And when you're reassured by switching to something made by Microsoft, you know you're in trouble. Hey, no, 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 no problem. Nothing. No, no, no deal. Nothing. It's okay. Everything's fine. On the heels of the Bloomsburg Fair, drawing public outcry over images of a man in a dunk tank impersonating the Pennsylvania Secretary of Health, Rachel Levine, a local tavern in Pennsylvania is apologizing for a menu item that mocked Levine, who is a transgender woman. Some residents posted a photo of the menu page of the Crossroads Tavern in Morris Township on social media. The menu said, One of the items, Levine Balls, was named after the health secretary. And according to PennLive.com, referenced a part of the male anatomy. Over the weekend, the the tavern posted an apology. Last week, a menu was printed for the tavern that was in poor taste. An apology from the owner says, Although I did not print the menu, I'm at fault for allowing it to be displayed at my tavern. It was in bad taste. I never meant to offend anyone. I'm sorry if I allowed it. I'm sorry if I allowed it. If. I... I'm sorry, Dr. Levine, and anyone else that was offended. Anyone that knows me knows that I am not a judgmental person. Once again, I'm sorry for my lack of judgment. Unquote. The non-judgmental person with the lack of judgment. I don't know. I don't write him. I just read him. But onward. Onward we go through the effluent flow of apologies this week. 2020 has been a year of both marking and making history. What the American Academy of Pediatrics has accomplished this year is a great source of pride. This is a letter from the president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Sally Goza. Yet as we celebrate our legacy, we also must enter into the record where we have fallen short. To that end, the Academy has published a statement titled Truth, Reconciliation, and Transformation, The statement acknowledges that the American Academy of Pediatrics has not always lived up to its founding ideals and apologizes to those it has wronged. The apology is long overdue and a precondition for a better future. The experience of our first black members, Dr. Alonzo Smith and Dr. Roland Scott, reveals an executive board that was not immune to racist attitudes and beliefs. From their initial rejection in 1939 to their eventual acceptance in 1945, they were made to bear numerous indignities and clear many hurdles despite being successful clinicians and established leaders in the pediatric academic community. So, an apology from the AAP. Dateline Slayton, Minnesota. No, I haven't heard of it either. Dennis Wellgraven. Dennis Wellgraven, a vice chair of the Murray County Board of Commissioners, issued an apology this week for a remark he made at a Board of Commissioners budget hearing. While discussing a budget item, he used the phrase N-blank rigging, an expression that means assembling something from makeshift pieces, according to the globe.com. It originates from the racist... Well, I'm not going to explain that. He addressed the board meeting, stating he'd used that expression the previous week. I apologize for using this expression. It was not said in disrespect. I'm sincerely sorry. I will do better in the future. Thank you. Unquote. More um, apologies from the halls of government. Ohio State represent. Here's Ohio again with the uh, thing after the uh, big corruption thing. Ohio State Representative Juanita Brent, 
She's a Democrat from Cleveland, said she felt attacked after a conversation with a Republican colleague, Representative Kyle Kohler from Springfield. Not that Springfield. He claims his profanity was not directed at her after he apologized in a letter. They were talking about amendments to a bill regarding the Confederate flag. We continued to talk about it, and as he got ready to end the conversation with me, he said, you son of a bitch, and he walked into the committee room, said Representative Juanita Brent. Kohler said uh, he was walking away and muttering the profanity to himself and not saying it to her. I walked away extremely frustrated, he says. Not to anyone or about anyone, I said what my father used to say when a bolt would break while trying to fix something in the garage while I was growing up. That was unprofessional of me, and I apologize. An almost apology, ladies and gentlemen. This is kind of fresh. On July 19th, the 40th anniversary of the opening ceremony of the Moscow Olympics, the chief executive of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, Sarah Hirschland, posted a letter that came awfully close to an apology. In a letter addressed to the athletes of the 1980 U.S. Olympic team, she wrote, It's abundantly clear in hindsight the decision not to send a team to Moscow had no impact on the global politics of the era and instead only harmed you. American athletes who had dedicated themselves to excellence. We can clearly state you deserve better. You deserve the support of an inspired nation. And that was sort of that. This came three months after former Vice President Mondale delivered a partial apology. I think we did the right thing, he told the Wall Street Journal in April about the U.S. boycott of the 1980s Olympics. But I'm sorry about how it hurt them. An almost apology, ladies and gentlemen. After making fun of Megan the Stallion getting shot in the foot, 50 Cent is apologizing. The rapper took to Instagram to share his public apology beginning of this week. Megan had gone on Instagram Live to update fans about her health after she underwent surgery following an incident in which she got shot in her feet. 50 Cent joined the, the group of people who were making fun of her. And then she uh, issued a heartfelt explanation, or at least a heartfelt uh, exploration of how bad she was feeling. And uh, so he apologized. James and Kimberly Sneed say, looking back at it, they should have never provided refuge to a disturbed teenager who later slaughtered 17 people at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in uh, South Florida. They should have believed what they were told, that he was homicidal, untrustworthy, and infatuated with firearms. We thought we could handle this troubled young man. Unfortunately, we were wrong, they say in a public apology revealed this week. The school was in Parkland, Florida, as you know. We were particularly wrong to allow him to store his firearms in our house, including the AR-15 used in this tragedy, unquote. The letter is part of a legal agreement that settles a slew of negligence suits filed against the Sneeds in connection with the 2018 tragedy, the settlement calls for them to pay $1 to the victims and forbids them or their lawyer from speaking of or profiting from the massacre. That seems fair. I got a dollar on me. And Deadline Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department has issued an apology to Tashil Farmer's family. Now, here's a case that we've never heard about till now. This follows a $2.2 million settlement reached over a week ago in a 
wrongful death lawsuit filed by the family after Tashiel Farmer, also known as Tashiel Brown, died after being placed in an unauthorized chokehold by a former Las Vegas Metro police officer in 2017. The Vegas Police Department says it hopes the settlement hopefully brings some measure of closure. It hopes that it hopefully brings some measure of closure. Well, they're not writers, they're police. And that the incident does not represent the policies or values of the department. The Vegas police added after the 2017 incident, it put restrictions in place on the use of neck restraints. Never too late. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this program. And now, <laughs> the, um, the doings this week <laughs> of uh, President Trump. Um, in a lighter vein, I guess, he uh, complained at one of his briefings this week that uh, Dr. Fauci from the National Institutes of Health has a high popularity rating, as does Dr. Burks. Part of, also part of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. But he, Trump, doesn't. He says, in trying to explain the discrepancy, it can only be my personality. Because, you know, they both work for him. There are uh, really uh, uh, now a piling up of uncharacteristic 180s by the president, or, or U-turns, however you want to describe them. Uh, this week, the former head of the Trump presidential campaign, who was widely regarded as a digital genius for his work in the 2016 campaign, was demoted and replaced, and all of the Trump campaign's political advertising was taken off radio and television for a reset. Because, you know, they think they're winning, or so they say. That's what you, that's what you do when you think you're winning. There's now a talk from the uh, Republican Party or the campaign that there may be no press coverage allowed of the Republican convention, to which I say, great, don't cover it. And most bizarre, perhaps, story in Vanity Fair, of all places, about a, we're just now learning about a convening of billionaires and pals and some people with knowledge of public health, probably, and a, a secret grouping commandeered, cobbled together by Jared Kushner, the president's senior advisor. They worked together in March to develop a national plan for testing. And then a few months, a few weeks later, as it came to the president, the feeling grew that maybe they didn't want to do a national plan for testing. Vanity Fair's article says Kushner was involved in that decision, and there's reporting that indicates one of the reasons why they cooled on the idea was that at that point the coronavirus hotspots were all Democratic states, and that it would be politically advantageous to walk away from a big testing program and just blame the Democratic governors. Um, yeah, that's only part of the story. One wonders how Vanity Fair got its hands on a copy of that plan. More information may be available now. This week, for the first time, 
the real polls are looking like the fake polls. And for the businessman turned chief executive, getting the dead wood off his teams has never been more important or harder. So, Mitch. Yes, sir. We're entering toward a legislative something that can lead to something that can, at the end of the day, quite arguably uh, amount to something. Mitch, that's interesting. Mm. Like a mosquito bite in the ass is interesting. <laughs> I have a legislative liaison. What's it to deal with that, right? Yes, but... Okay. we got much bigger problems right now than whether some hoodlum gets 200 or $600 a week for his fix. And by we... I mean me. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I am getting a lot of pressure from my vulnerable members on this unemployment extension, though. Mm-hmm. You want to see a vulnerable member? <clears throat> so, what's my brand for the re-election, Mitch? The best economy in uh, human history, if I remember Brad's memo. Forget Brad. He's not running the campaign anymore. Hmm. I mean, he's running the getting coffee for the campaign, but yeah, that's still the brand. And what's the economy doing? Uh, well, sir, this week's figures for the second quarter are uh, indicating there's some softness in the economy. A third of the freaking economy dropped off the face of the map. And you know why? Well, sir, uh, sorry as I am to say it, the COVID-19 effect seems to have been a bit more pronounced than I think either of us wanted or predicted or predicted that we'd want. But And you know why? Because my freaking so-called senior advisor, Jared, didn't have the guts to ignore my desire to ignore his plan for the corona. <laughs> of course, I don't, I don't have visibility into internal White House conversation. Except for what your people on my staff leak to you by 7 every morning, right? <laughs> Sir, I think Washington whispers were invented long before either of us got here. It's Jared! That poor excuse for a real estate failure that my genius daughter decided to marry some night when she was blitzed on rum. I call him Jared the Dope. I don't know what you call him. To be honest with you, sir, we don't have that much contact. Usually I work... Count your blessings, believe me. Hmm. He's the genius who bought the one building on Fifth Avenue that would make more money as a hole in the ground. Sir, I always heard this coming up in this business. Don't hire family... You can't fire them. Funny. In my old business, that's all you hired. Or at least that's all you paid. Anyway, this week's task for you is a solid. Yes, sir. A solid what? It's like you're doing me a solid. You're offering Jared a job he can't resist. Like uh, chief of staff or something. More money, more real power without the wife's dad always on his case. Sounds like a good deal, right? Mm-hmm. Except for the... Inconvenient fact that I already have a chief of staff. Can we do a job swap? Here, I suppose I have to say now, where she becomes my senior advisor. Not like they get to just walk in like Jared does, but uh, as long as they have the balls to resist me when my gut says to junk their big plan, that's all I need. But I need it like yesterday and a half. Well, sir, I'll, I'll ask my C.O.S. if that's something he... Or she would be interested in. Hey, listen. A POS is the last thing I need right Chief of Staff, sir. COS. Absolutely right, sir. 
it's a tough team to be on, but uh, in those moments, I just keep saying two words to myself. Conservative judges. So, Jared, mm-hmm. that leak about your big-ass national plan for dealing with the virus last spring. Mr. Dad, somebody in my office pushed a send button that they, they shouldn't have pushed. It made me and my gut look bad, right? And not just my gut. Seen it, sir. And that pause in my campaign advertising, that was one of yours too, right? I agreed with your new campaign manager, sir. The ad with the 3 a.m. rape call to the police just wasn't breaking through. And the fact that Fauci's poll numbers are like stratosphere plus and mine are like basement minus? Well, in all fairness, sir, that's not really anything that can be blamed on me. You haven't done anything to stop it, right? Uh, Right? (laughs) I haven't stopped the rain, either. Here's the thing. Maybe you need a change of scene... Maybe you need to change your whole movie. Maybe that's your task for this week. Interesting. I mean, I've still got to wrap up my Middle East peace plan before Jared, Bibi Netanyahu himself said to me, he said, that deal is colder than last Passover's ham. He said that? Something like that. So, what do you think? I think that just might be a Major League Chief of Staff position opening for you here in town. You know, in all fairness, I'd really hate to leave my office just now. So many send buttons to make sure nobody's pushing. Okay. Forget your task. I gotta go call Mitch. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're gonna make working with family great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentus. This week... Can the polls get any faker? I had a groundbreaking idea, but I forgot to write it down. Now every thought starts to distort and they chase themselves around. Every concept loses meaning when you look at it too long. And today's amazing line becomes tomorrow's awful song Well, time's longer than rope, I once heard somebody say There's nowhere to tie the end onto, so I just float away And it's been three weeks since I've seen the cheeks of friends I was goodbye kissing So I feed the magpie mince and hope he'll stay a while to listen We all cope in different ways So don't be too hard on yourself A hopeless string of empty days Like standing on an arctic shelf Staring deep into the void Of your undiscovered mind Searching desperately to find Some comfort from the malaise We all cope in different ways I watched the kind of films our former selves would not believe Old DVDs of Keanu Reeves and we sneeze into our sleeves I make calls to my great auntie, file tax ten quarters old 
But each receipt reminds me of when we were free and bold Then I got lost in Jane Austen, a posthumous work persuasion She's the early 1800s poster girl for isolation Her characters claim love if from some wealthy socialite But Jane retained a single life and stayed at home to write We all cope in different ways So don't be too hard on yourself hopeless string of empty days by standing on an arctic shelf staring deep into the void of your undiscovered mind searching desperately to find some comfort from the malaise we all cope in different They say the world's been granted this chance for collective zen But I keep refreshing to find more death in my heart, it breaks again But statistics are just fish sticks without the human faces How can I empathize with all the lives that each number embraces? When the behaviors of my own neighbors are making me suspicious They prance around all over town like mobile petri dishes So I lock the doors and windows and pull the blinds to make a blinker I become my own worst nightmare, anti-social overthinker But we all cope in different ways So don't be too hard on yourself A hopeless string of empty days I stand in on an arctic shelf Staring deep into the void Of your undiscovered mind If you're lucky you might find Some comfort from the malaise We all cope in different ways Now ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm, won't you? While there's still time Well, there's a place in the uh, Arctic uh, uh, off of Norway called Svalbard. It's an archipelago. It recorded its highest ever temperature this week, according to the country's meteorological institute. It could all but disappear. Actually, the polar bears of Svalbard could all disappear within the span of a human lifetime, according to uh, Agence France. According to scientific study, global warming in the Arctic is happening twice as fast as the rest of the planet. For the second day in a row, the archipelago registered 70 degrees in the afternoon, just under the uh, 71 recorded in 1979, which was the previous record. Later in the afternoon, it uh, got to fully 71, sending a new all-time record. The island group has Spitsbargen, the only inhabited island in the northern Norway archipelago, it's 620 miles from the North Pole, so it should be warm. The relative heat wave expected to last the weekend is a huge spike of normal temperatures in July. Surely you don't mean in July. The hottest month in the Arctic. The Svalbard Islands would normally expect to be 
seeing temperatures of, uh, oh, in the 50s, maybe the low 60s at this time of year. Region has seen temperatures 5 degrees Celsius above normal since January. And, of course, that big heat wave in Siberia. Svalbard houses both a coal mine and a doomsday seed vault, which has since 2008 collected stocks of the world's agricultural bounty just in case of global catastrophe. That vault required $23 million worth of refurbishment after water leaked in four years ago due to thawing permafrost. Remember that? We talked about that last week. And here it is again. How does that happen? A rare translucent black and white crystal that sat in a box for 30 years has led scientists to a startling discovery. The East Antarctic ice sheet, which holds 80% of the world's ice, may be even more vulnerable to warming than once believed. They determined it had retreated about 3 million years ago, but a new paper in the journal Nature suggests, based on that study of crystals collected from the region, that a large part of it collapsed only 400,000 years ago. Most startling of all, the team's calculations suggest that the dramatic change happened during an extended but relatively mild warm spell. The uh, CO2 in the atmosphere never rose very high during that time period, only about 300 parts per million. That's the scary thing, says a researcher. Modern CO2 levels blew past 300 parts per million in 1915. They currently sit at 410. The world's other ice sheets, Greenland and West Antarctica included, are already predicted to lose ice in the coming century. Greenland sits far from the North Pole, exposing it to warm air. West Antarctica sits in a broad bowl that dips below sea level, exposing it to warm ocean currents. But the East Antarctic ice sheet was considered more secure because it occupies the frigid South Pole. Not so frigid anymore, apparently. And... And one more item. Yeah, a new study from Australian scientists at the forefront of climate and health modeling. Mmm, I love those climate and health models. They're so healthy. Suggests electric fans and water dousing could be a viable stay-at-home cooling strategy as the United States approaches extreme heat. This out of the University of Sydney. The risk of two major public health threats converging a heat wave and the pandemic is quickly becoming a reality. The U.S. approaching its hottest month of the year. Authorities have acknowledged the usual strategies recommended to protect individuals from heat-related illness, such such as seeking refuge in air-conditioned places, including dedicated cooling centers or shopping malls, risks further transmission of the virus, says the senior author. We also know many of of those who are most at risk of COVID are those also at risk of heat-related illness. Urgent need for low-cost, accessible cooling strategies. Fans and dousing with cold water. This, ladies and gentlemen, is progress. News of the Warm. A copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Support for this program comes from the makers of Neo-Hydroxychloroquine, now even less effective.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back at you next week. Same time on the radio. Radio. And at the time of your choice on your audio device of choice. Is Alexa looking like she's a little thin? I'm worried about her. I don't think she's eating enough. It would be just like Alexa eating more if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk. To Pam Halstead. And what a kick in the head it's been to uh, have these masked hangs with Thomas Walsh here at WWNO for the last six weeks. We'll do it again soon, sir. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Well, you can buy them. I mean, that's what I mean by get. And um, the email address for this program, which some people still use, and I still sometimes read, all at harryshearer.com. And if you're on Twitter and you're looking for me, you'll find me there at the Harry Shearer. How did I think of that? Oh, hey, one further note. A South Carolina State University Town Hall Zoom meeting was hacked over the weekend by someone using racial slurs. The meeting was with parents and students to discuss the virtual reopening of the school. It's a thing. Maybe Zoom is the go-to place for uh, slurs and profanities these days. Seems like. The show comes to you you from Sensory Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans' flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City. (laughs) 